Tramp, or uh, I guess Terry Tramp Welker, is the founder of Eternal Inc. and is responsible, I, I would figure, millions of tattoos, at least. What, do, do you ever put in a number to how many tattoos you think that you've affected with your ink? I mean, it's possible. I mean, our inks are sold worldwide, you know, so it's like, um, been 20 years, you know, and uh, it's impossible. You know, I, I've, I've traveled the world and everywhere I went, I've seen my inks there, eternal. And uh, yeah, I would. I would easy, it's got to be in the millions. I mean, as many bottles as you sold, and you can do hundreds of tattoos with a bottle of ink. Yeah. Shoot, man, I'd be in the billions. But we need, I guess we should start where you're at because you are the founder of Eternal Ink Tattoo Supply Company, Eternal Ink Tattoo, um, uh, Tattoo Company, and also Eternal Ink, the actual ink, and also uh, the owner of um, Motor City Tattoo Expo. Right. for or founder of, of, of the, the expo. Yeah, well, I got Brian Everett involved in that. As a, Brian's a partner with me on the, on the Motor City Tattoo Expos. Okay. Yes, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't actually not want to talk about him because he's, a, he's actually probably a big part of where... I, I'm wondering where you sit today. Uh, could you have imagined this at the beginning of your career? No, not at all. I, I started tattooing in 76, but I, I opened Eternal Tattoos in 1980. I had, you know, back then you were cutting your stencils and acetate. You were hoping somebody walked through the door, man. It was, it was a completely different world. Right. There wasn't all the social media to get you any, any bookings. Did, was it common to even have bookings then? Uh, no, I mean, once you tattooed somebody, then they would want to come back. But uh, no, it was 99% walk-ins. Where, where did you, where did you grow up? And, and was it here in Michigan that you grew up? I, as a young kid, I, I was born in Georgia and was there until I was six years old. And my dad moved us up to Detroit. So most okay. of my life's been in, in Detroit. I've lived in Texas, still have property in Texas, but, uh, no, growing up was uh, basically done right in, right in Detroit. That's where I went to school. It's a rough area, or were you out there in back, Gross back, Point? Back when I was a kid, it was a great area, man. I mean, we all rode bicycles and with baseball cards in our spokes to make noise. Or a, <laughs> It was a whole different world, man. That's when everybody stayed outside till the streetlights came on. You know, I'm 72 years old. I was born in 1950, so... Between now and then, it's the whole world's changed. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. stay out late. It wasn't wasn't dangerous to the, the, a lot of things. You know, people didn't shoot you just because they didn't like you. You know, you, you've seen a lot of that change then in in Detroit, which I, I'm told is on a renaissance right now. Detroit, but the, the, I'm told that uh, Detroit is on a renaissance right now. I feel like I always hear that though. But the Detroit is um, is one of the most improved cities. Oh, for well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got they got those apartments. They got a they got those nice areas by the farmers market. I think it is. Okay. Um, is it I, getting to be anywhere like what you remember it to be? Then. No, actually, we lived 
When we moved from Georgia to Detroit, we actually walked to Belle Isle from our house. So that's how different times were now. You know, it's Belle Isle was different. A lot, a lot, a lot of people living in Detroit probably never been to Belle Isle. Right, but you wouldn't be safe to tell a group of kids to do that. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't suggest it. But, uh, no. Um, but but at one point then you find tattoos. So I mean, Detroit was your home then. I'm guessing because you have the yeah. Detroit Motor City Expo. Yeah. Well, I call it the the Detroit Motor City. Everybody calls it the Detroit Show or the Motor City Expo or Motor City. Um, but I, my wife has corrected me several times this morning. It's not the Detroit Show. It's the Motor City Tattoo Expo. Well, it is the Detroit Show. <clears throat> We just call it the Motor City Tattoo Expo. <laughs> well, they're good. Then I feel I don't have to feel bad. Actually, uh, Dave Simon, who used to own Wonderland Tattoos, started the convention. The first year Dave Simon put that show on, I was there as a guest. And when, oh, I thought you were the founder. No, man, not not the convention. Okay. So, so Dave Simon, who I don't even know if he lives in Michigan anymore, owned uh, Wonderland Tattoos. And after the convention, he got a hold of me. We knew each other. <clears throat> Asked me if I'd be interested in becoming a partner with him. I said, sure, why not, man? So the second show is where I got Brian, Jack Rudy, Gil Monty, <clears throat> Dave Gibson, all, all that crowd of people that were Big known heavy hitters. The then, then at the third convention, I asked Brian if he wanted to be a partner. Then Dave Simon... <clears throat> I bought Dave Simon out after the second show, so he we remained friends. I don't even know where he where he lives now, but so he was completely out of the convention after the second show. And then it was you and Brian yeah, kind of heading this up. Then we kept trying to find a bigger venue, and that's how it ended up in the Detroit Marriott. That's like 1984, 85, or is this later on? Oh, the first show was in the late nine. I think 95 was the first show, <clears throat> 94, 95. So how is it that you fall in with uh, Brian Everett? He, he's an Arizona kid, right? And uh, New Mexico. New Mexico? Okay. And, oh, wow. and then a, a California guy like Jack Rudy. Yeah. But, but Brian, Brian mm-hmm. was originally from Michigan. So Brian okay. came into my shop in Livonia and introduced himself and had started talking with Tom Renshaw, who at that time worked at our Livonia location. And uh, one of the greatest portrait artists around yeah, man, Tom, 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 Tom works at my club. Tom works at the Clawson location, the eternal tattoos in Clawson. So anyway, Brian tattooed Tom at the shop. And I said, shit, I'm going to have to charge him commission for that. You know, and uh, I didn't. But anyway, so I got to know that's why I, that's where I met Brian. And we became friends and he rode motorcycles. I ride motorcycles. I had an extra bike, gave my other bike to ride, and we hung out, got to know each other, and then over the years, we, you know, we've become best friends. You guys don't didn't. I think you told me at one point you live close enough that you can ride to each other's houses right now. In Arizona, we both have homes. Yeah. Where are you? Are you in Michigan then? Still right now? Yeah, man. I'm leaving uh, early November. Once that snow hits, I'm out of here. You don't like the snow anymore. I didn't like it, it when I when I when I when I couldn't afford to leave. 
did, did you miss Georgia a bit every time it would snow, do you think? Or, or do, you, do you not have a recollection? That, I mean, as young as six, you know, that you leave, you don't remember a place maybe. No. No, I mean. Uh... I, I always miss the, the, I mean, like now, I don't know. Now I'm getting older. I like seeing the leaves change. But, yeah, I, I've never cared for the snow. But, man, it's hard to get away sometimes. Well, you, you, you yourself, you have a business here. Well, you you and your wife, you guys could come and visit. We got a guest room. I mean, you both know Gina, which Gina's part of the convention also. But yeah, you ever want to get away for a week, man? You know, it's it's. Uh, I shouldn't not mention your wife Gina because she's actually the the part that makes it possible to talk to Tramp sometimes. If you see Tramp, he's got a stare that will look right through you. <laughs> uh, do Do you know the power that you have just with a look? brother is this something oh, you've man. been aware of i've been told i intimidate some people but that's just because they don't know me. you chewed me out once at work and then you get done and you're like was that like your dad yelling at you yeah <laughs> some, um, people, some people need to be yelled at i i'm i'm certainly not i i do myself that's why i have my wife though thankfully but in your wife kind of softens up your, your image, I think, for you. She is the most uh, loving, happy. I, I don't think I've ever seen her not with a smile ear to ear and cheek to cheek. But um, I, I, I do want to get back to when, when you came into tattooing yourself, did you know at any point that you were going to be a tattoo artist? I know that you went to the war. Did you tattoo before or after the war? No, I got my first professional tattoo just before I left for Vietnam came back Did and got a, and it was in California and got another, got another tattoo not knowing it was being put on backwards facing the wrong way but who knew anything who knew <laughs> you know people still don't understand that sometimes but uh, right and that was put on with an acetate then yeah yeah man so, so no so I had right. I, I never thought I'd be tattooing. I never get because it wasn't even when I started. There was only two tattoo shops: House of Tattoos over on Wayne Road, and then at the flea market. No, no. Then they had a uh, Melda Head. You remember Melda Head? No, I don't. He was over Mel the Head. Crash. He's passed away, but he was um, yeah, old. An old coot tattooing of sort. I mean, there was no regulations back in no the day. Regulations. No, you don't get a tattoo from Melda Head. You were going to get washed with a wash rag. If he'd done two tattoos that day, that water wasn't changed. But uh, that's just. Were, were there gloves in practice when you started oh, then? No, I wasn't no gloves. And, <laughs> yeah, the needle was so good, he reused it. <laughs> it was a, man, it was a different world. You didn't have all these diseases. Right, right. Well, I wonder, were they there and we didn't know? Yeah, maybe uh, people that we were tattooing back in the day were a little more tougher and had tougher skin and maybe tougher blood. Who knows, man, right? Better immune systems. They weren't falling down dead when they left. That is amazing because to hear the practices and to understand what we have to go through now as universal precautions. Yeah. And you more aware of it than possible others because of your um the manufacturing process yeah now we can't even go there when when you first started selling ink i could go to howell tattoo studio and we could buy some ink from you yeah. and then then you got your warehouse the first one yeah and uh we watched that grow and now i can't even tour the facility right like you have to be in a whole hazmat suit 
Yeah, no, well, the, the clean room we can't go into because, yeah, this is what you said. You got to dress up and dress down, man. So we don't let anyone in. We have windows where you can come in and we have cameras where you can, if, if we wanted to show it to you, you could come in the door. Mm -hmm. so still have to put all the proper stuff on, but you would see everything off of cameras. Oh, so they do because they have, of course, inspections, I guess, then. And that's yeah. the way sometimes they have to go. Yeah. Man, it seems so so drastically different than uh than well for sure obviously and you, without with when tattooing without gloves did you when did you start using gloves then probably back in uh, maybe late eighties I I I my originally eternal tattoos was in Ypsilanti I moved it to Livonia February of eighty two. I brought Chris Page on in uh, about 83 or 84. So I had a two man shop. Uh, still wasn't wearing gloves. Probably it must have been the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, um, but at least were you changing water? Did you feel that you were advertising better than Mel the Head because you used okay. fresh water? Or <laughs> Plus, I didn't have two uh, Rottweilers laying on the floor. Mel the Head, when you walked in, you got the be entertained by his dogs, hoping they wouldn't attack you when you're getting tattooed. That was, that's how it was, you know. It, was, it sounds like the Wild West of sorts, but I remember even in our town, there was, a, you know, the, the Mel the Head sounds like characters that I've, you know, I grew up kind of, a, well, it wasn't 82 for sure, but 10 years after that. Oh, man, 20 years after that, 98. That's when I first started seeing tattoos around. Uh, MTV, man, MTV and uh, uh, the pro athletes getting tattoos is that made the, that tattooing started taking off like crazy because of that. People seeing a fit rock star they like with a tattoo, and the pro, you know, the pro athletes getting tattooed. And then the next thing you know, women want a tattoo. And you remember an explosion in your in your own business then? Oh yeah, man, that's how come I put a circle around Detroit. I ended up with five shops and I, and I circled Detroit, put my shops between 15 and 20 miles apart from each other, but did a actual, did a circle around Detroit. Trying, okay. Trying to get my shops as close to the highways as I could, you know, Livonia, mm -hmm. Livonia is uh, right down the road from uh, 96, uh, Taylor's right off uh, Southfield and the 94 East Point was off of Gratiot and 696. Clausen's uh, off of 696. You know, it's kind of, kind of making everything easy to get to. Did did you have the plan to uh, to kingpin it? Then it almost sounds like you're, you're planning on making that that town yours. Uh, well, it kind of, you know. And then it was uh, like a gold mine rush or something of some sort. Yeah, you you was, needed to stake a claim. Yeah, I, I was fortunate to have people come. You know, Jay Wheeler, phenomenal artist. He came to me right Amazing. out of high school. Donnie Cox, phenomenal black and gray. He came to me out of the joint. Uh, uh, but I was, uh, I was fortunate to have the right people coming through my door wanting to learn to tattoo because I'm myself, I tattooed every day, but I'm a traditional artist. There's so, there's so many tattoos I wouldn't dare touch or even attempt to do. Right. Uh, when, when we think about that, if you're a traditional artist and your shop has sprung some of the most prolific 
portrait artists of yeah. all of black and gray of all times. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, well, you got Tom Renshaw, Marshall Bennett, Bob Tyrell, uh, Jay Wheeler, and uh, I think you mentioned someone else there uh, just a minute ago that you also said was a uh, realism. Um, well, I've had so many, and I still have so many good ones. Now. I remember coming up that these were all names that we would see in the magazines, and to know that they were right down in Detroit, like my tattoo really, my, my tattoo career didn't start off until my wife forced me to get a tattoo from Tom. And, and I kind of saw the bigger world of it. Oh, Tom Renshaw did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did a portrait of my father and, and, uh, and I was just blown away. You know, you know, the level of tattoo that he'd, he's, and, he, I'm, he still does, but that he was doing back then, it was far above and beyond what anybody else was even coming close to us. In the mid-90s, when Tom came to Eternal, he came and got an apprenticeship. He didn't know how to tattoo. But we gave him, the, I gave him the apprenticeship of making your own needles, uh, uh, how to build a machine. But we, Tom wanted to go on the road for almost two years. He did his, back then there wasn't a convention every weekend, but Tom would do as many conventions as he could with the support of the shop behind him, you know, getting getting him there, getting a room, and him getting the name Eternal out there so that he helped get our name out there. And okay. back at Eternal, he's been back for now about a year now. So he's, me and, you know, me and Tom talk to each other about it every day. But yeah, Tom focused on doing nothing but black and gray. And, you know, you are. And he was there at the shows with the purpose of spreading yep. the name of Eternal. Yep, under the Eternal banner and doing his, phenomenal work and still doing it. So now he doesn't do any shows anymore. But Now at that point you weren't making ink, were you? No, I, well, I was taking Spalding and National Powder. I, I was doing our own mixing. And all okay. Tom and Tom and Chris and I said, man, anybody, you guys want to learn how to make this ink? They said, no, man, it's too messy. You do a good job. We, so uh, I never had to do it. I, I made our inks. So, you know, I did our mixing for us. You know. All powder figment back in back in the day. So. Right, but look what it spawned, though. Right. Oh, yeah, that that mixing ain't back then. Not not having a clue that you can make a living off of selling pigments. Who would have ever thought? Well, back then you didn't have a tattoo shop every other block either. You know. Right. Yeah, I mean, you were really poised uh, for having your shops spread out like that across Detroit and in the circle. You were. You were poised to then make a, a decent money, money off money off just your artist mixing yeah. ink. So then, when you're ready to to branch out and sell sell to all your your rivals, yeah. did, did other people in town want to buy your ink, or was that a slow process? No, once once uh, when I was mixing up powder, I mean, it wasn't any other shops around. But once uh, once I started Eternal Ink. And got it going. I mean, there was, I would give my inks out to, I'd, I'd give my inks out to a shop I might have been crazy about. It, but I still wanted them using my pigments. It was a business, you know. Right. Using my inks. So, well, it's it's become, if, if they haven't heard of Eternal Ink, they're probably not a tattoo artist. If you're listening to Eternal Ink, you know that it's, or, or if you're, you are a tattoo artist, you know it's, it's kind of the standard, the forebearer. It's the, um, the standard the other inks are compared to 
<laughs> even even if someone else is talking about how much they love an ink, they will compare qualities of it to eternal as a spectrum of of it. You know. Yeah. Plus, I always made myself available. Somebody, you know, I, I my phone. If it rings, I answer it. Uh, so I it was uh, uh, taking people's phone calls and people. Well, I didn't know I would get you to talk to us. Well, yeah, that's who you call to talk to, isn't it? And uh, so I always had that open communication with whoever it was, one had a question or needed something. Or, so I always made myself available. Did that, did the ink come before the supply companies and, and the oh, machines? I had an ink company, and um, that was in the Howell location, which you, you're familiar with. And oh, yeah, I worked there for three years. It's the longest job I've ever had. I had no idea, but I, I, other jobs, even as a kid, I, I bounced around a year, year and a half here or there, hard labor type stuff, roofing. You never really hold the same job. Three years I spent at Eternal, I believe. And I, I think that's the longest job. We appreciated you being there. We finally, finally got every, every uh, station filled now, man. That was a, that was a long process. But anyway, you know how big the basement was. That's where we started. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I bought the building behind us and then I rebuilt it. And then and a year later outgrew that. Uh, but uh, that, uh, with all the conventions going on, that, that gave me the perfect place to market my pigment and get my inks out there. You know, if there was a convention going on, eternal ink was going to be there, but then people would start calling, Hey, you guys got needles, you got tubes? No. But after so many times being asked that, I thought I need a bigger building. So that's when I bought the building behind the, the tattoo shop that you're familiar with. But we outgrew Beautiful that. Beautiful shop. Yeah. And, and once we outgrew that, then that's when I went and bought the, the warehouse that you've been to. And we've added on to that three times. We're maxed out. Our, you know, we're at 40,000 square feet, but we're maxed out. But we can't go back any further because of the, how the property's laid out. But, uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was crazy and how fast it grew, how... Uh, well, if you needed room, I think you could take one, uh, one or two of your hot rods out, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I had, uh, yeah, I had my playroom, man. Then I had to sit up because I needed more supply room. You know, right. I that keeps out, getting smaller. Yeah, it came out with the needles and tubes and uh, everything else. And uh, uh, it was a lot of fun building it, man. But, uh, you know... Uh, You've had your own business. You know how it gets. You you become married to the job, man. You know you're, you're mm-hmm. seventy hours, seventy, eighty hours a week. You're literally at the warehouse, and uh, you know people. Then you would go to do a convention. I I did a lot of conventions myself, so I could tell people about my inks. And people would say, "Man, you're lucky. You get to go to a convention." I said, "Man, I got to go to a convention every weekend, man. It, this ain't." You guys don't understand. This ain't fun, man. You're not, you know, you're eating crappy food. You're sleeping in a, you know how it is. You, you, I do. You, you know, know, I do. I live it still. And, and I don't know how I do except to really take the time off when I'm, when I'm not doing it. Cause you're still I, I couldn't imagine coming back and doing and being a babysitter to a circle of shops. Yeah. Um, even if it's just the head babysitter, you know, and, and then running the supply company. I know there's still drama going to be every day there. Uh, you know, we, 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 you don't have anything that has people involved and not have drama. Oh man, it, I'm really fortunate with people that work for me, man. I've got some great, uh, employees, 
some great artists. I mean, the artists are all independent, but you know, I've got, I got some artists, man, have been there for over 20 years. Uh, yeah. Uh, how long has uh, um, Steli been with you? Stelios has been 2023, 25 even. Uh, probably around 99. So yeah, 20 years. Uh, Jay Wheeler was 20 years. TJ, Doug Bickle. I mean, it's just, I'm pretty fortunate, man. And then when I had somebody that... Marshall? I was always fortun
in in the fashion that like when i first went to my first motor city tattoo uh expo it was it was when i decided to be a tattoo artist right and and i had actually kind of got like i i picked up somebody's machine man i wish i knew who it was i wish i had the idea to even have my eyes open i was just there as a collector or somebody like one of my the guy that tattooed me he was like come down here and try and win me a trophy you know you'll be my friend and I picked up a machine and I, I said, oh, wow, this is a, how much for the gun? And that changed everything in that conversation immediately. <laughs> I grabbed it out of my hand and said, it's not for me. And set it on the table. Yeah, I'd called it a gun and I didn't know. I, I had. What was that? What, no, what, what year was that? Where was the show at when, when you, where were we at when, when you came to the first show? I would say it's probably 99, 2000. Oh, were we still by the airport? It was at the airport. Yep. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was early. And, and, uh, how, what, uh, what, what number would have that been if it was around 98, 99? Well, we, we were at the airport until the, our 10th year. So right now we're we're doing our twenty seventh anniversary in uh, in uh, first weekend of March next year. So twenty seven, I think the first show. Awesome. But anyway, we we moved out of the, it was the Royce, and they changed the name of the hotel to um, oh man, um, can't remember the name of it. The one by the airport. Yeah. yeah. But you guys outgrew that. That, that was a meandering hallway of things. Now, now yeah, you're at the conventions were crazy, man. People partied down and wanted to tear the hotels up. We have, we ran some heavy security at that at at, uh, at that convention just because of that. People jumping off the balcony into the pools and oh man, craziness. Was it uh, was it anything that you would get fined for by or, or have to pay for at the end when you're settling up with the hotel then? Well, I had insurance. I made sure I had insurance, but no, it was uh, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't control the crowd when they're they're serving them the drinks. The hotel's serving the drinks to them. <laughs> you can blame them on it. It's not my people. It's your drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Tattoos are associated with kind of. I think that was what I felt when I went there. Was I wasn't the weirdest person in the room anymore? You know, I didn't feel like anybody was looking at me. You know. Because there was so much craziness going on. Yeah. Or, or, or available to see. There was plenty of, I shouldn't make it like everybody was insane. Because, you know, there was a lot of people just doing business and uh, doing tattoos. But uh, Gilmani, for instance, he, uh, we end up getting that, that guy, <laughs> that character. Uh, I think we, he did a 15-minute tattoo on my wife. Took about an hour and a half. And we got a show. It was a, it was like dinner in a movie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Gil's a character too. Man. How how do you run into Gil? Was it through the tattoo circuit? And the I same with him. I called him. Come to find out, he was a he used to be a marine, so we had something in common, and uh, invited Gil up, and then not not knowing how that he was as crazy as he is. Yeah, he came <laughs> he came in with the crowd with Jack and Brian and. Uh, Cap, the Cap, he's Tony Olivas, who just passed away. Cap Zamunsky, then you mean too? Who? When you say Cap, do you mean Cap Zamunsky, I think, the name? Yeah. or 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. Down in his, uh, he used to work for Brian, then he moved to Georgia. Camp Szymski or Polish name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he brought up a couple of uh, friends of mine, I believe that uh, uh, Craig, Craig Foster has kind of got a lineage associated with, with Cap. And uh, it's just amazing how sometimes you can hear these names. It, there's no real written history for people on tattooing. Oh. And, and, and we, uh, until you ask, you never find out, you know, the long lineage that uh, might even be um, like Rick Cherry, uh, and, and, um, uh, of, of, I don't know. It just seems to go back so much. Uh, Ornofsky also Rick Ornofsky. Am I, am I pronouncing that name? Right. Are you familiar oh. with, uh, out in green Bay? Oh, are you talking about Rick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Isn't it Ornofsky as well? I know it's another Polish name. No, no, no. Yeah. Rick's, uh, I do got to know Rick pretty good, man. I, I think he's still doing it. I don't know. He's not doing the show. Right. No, he, he's not doing his show. Yeah, his sons were involved in his business. I think I last seen them at Detroit. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was in Detroit it's been probably, three, probably four or five years ago. I, so as, as you see the show going on, did you, if it wasn't, what made you want to be a part of the show as, as you were being approached? Oh, well, when the first, the first show they had, I took Tom Renshaw and Chris Page up there, and we set up our booth, and uh, I was headed to Bike Week. And I came back and heard how crazy the show was, how many people and everything, and I thought, well, shit, man, maybe I should have hung out here, man, because not realizing that uh, that first convention, I did, uh, there was thousands of people there, man. They couldn't even fit into the hotel. It was so busy. But uh, oh wow! What, I thought, what a great opportunity to to um, you know, I'm going to open another shop up and let more people in the Detroit area. You know, the, the Detroit people is what feeds our artists. Mm-hmm. Not not so much for Tom Rinsaw and a few of the others because they, their clients come in from around the world. But you figure a guy like me that's basically going to do a, do walk-ins. You know, I, I need, people need to know where we're at so they can get to us to get a tattoo. You know, then once I got in with Dave as a promoter, he just gave me the opportunity to uh, promote my whole company, all my artists. And, you know, I just saw it as another move to uh, to expand what I was doing. Yeah, I, I see that. It it's definitely did that. Each one of these things. Now, I mean, you see them, they flow, flow right into the next. Yeah. And they, they make perfect sense. There's not so much room for that anymore. <laughs> it's, um, it, everything's kind of changed. You have to really work to be on the forefront of technology now. All right. Or I, I, are you guys still building machines? No. I, uh, uh, I know I used your rotary there for a while and then the pen started coming out. There was like everything exploded there, you know, Yeah, whole new market shot. So shot I, I think, uh, I don't know if you bring it up now, but with my, my, my ink company, I ended up selling it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, uh, what, what portion you still retain portions of it, right? 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in it. I'm a consultant. Uh, I own a property, so I'm there. I have Gina's offices here. My office is there. I'm up okay. there. When I'm, in, when I'm here for the summer, I'm normally there three days a week. But uh, it would, uh, my tattoo machines, I loved my machine shop because I could make anything I wanted, including motorcycle parts, car parts. And I had, uh, I had two CNC machines. I had three bridge ports. I had two, uh, two CNC lays. I can literally make any, anything you wanted. I could make it. But um, then the, the, because I was focused mostly on coils, I was doing um, most of my 90% of oil my, tattoo machines, right? Yeah, my tattoo machines were coil machines. And uh, that's, that's what I tattoo with. And I, and um, so I had uh, five, six different um, frames, liner, shader, whatever you wanted. And uh, we were doing, you know, we were cutting all our own, we were cutting our frames. We were cutting our armature bars. Um, we were stamping our springs. We would literally be doing everything except for we were even doing our um, binding coils. No, I, I was buying coils from uh, out of state, Every, but they were okay. all American made. Everything, well, my machines were 100, 100% American made. Contact screw, everything. Uh, right even the contact screw, Welker, Welker tattoo machines. Yep. And so it became. Uh, to a, a point where our, once again, the ink business was continuously growing every year. And it was like, man, we need more room. So we came, oh, man. you know, the only thing I could, I, I took all my, my, I had that one section, like I said, with my hot rods, so I took, got, took my hot rods, moved them, opened up the area as much as we could. And then the only thing left to do was a business decision was, Moved the machine shop to a different building, and so we can expand our mixing. And uh, at that time, I with my accountant looking at numbers and what our machines were doing. You know, they were doing they were doing okay, but not uh, nearly. I like the ink. I like the inks and the needles, man. So we shut her down, man. And then once the heavy heart. I tell you the story is that so I'm. I'm this is about the ink company. So I was in China. We had to go uh, every two years. Any ink manufacturer that was paying attention to anything would go to Europe because they had tattoo uh, uh, regulations were being made over in Europe. They were going to come here to the States. So um, I'm in China at a convention. That's a weird place to go to a convention, too. And I get a phone call. <laughs> At three in the morning, this time difference is like twenty-four hours difference time. Now, is this a, t a tattoo convention then in China, yeah. or is this is some? Okay. And these Chinese people said, "Man, we want you to get up there and tell them you own Eternal Ink, and, and that you was a Marine in uh, in Vietnam." I said, "You want me telling this crowd of Chinese people that I'm a Marine from and fought in the war, huh? in Vietnam, and, and these guys are going to want to come up and hug me? I don't think so." <laughs> Anyway, you think they they wouldn't have or did what happened? They all wanted them to like, like I was a celebrity. It was weird, man. It was me and Brian was with me. It was crazy. Man. <laughs> had, everything was good except for the food. Anyway, <laughs> I get a phone call. It's three in the morning. And I see it's my son. And I said, hey, Jess, what's up? He says, Dad, the FDA's here. I said, What do you mean your FDA's here? 
the FDA is at our door. And I said, yeah, well, what do they want? He said, what do they want me to walk them through the, want, want me to walk into our building and blah, blah, blah. And I said, just tell them I'm in China, man. Get, I said, get them on the phone. And so I, he, I, they get on the phone. I said, listen, I'm in China. I'll be back next week. What do you want? It's, we want, they wanted everything. They wanted to know where I get my figures, where, where I get my bottles, where I get the, everything. If you don't, comp- if you don't comply with us, we can lock you and we can shut your doors. I said, shut my doors. But um, it was just crazy, man. Anyway, it came back, got with the FDA. They came back. They stayed there. They were in my building for five days, did all these inspections. Everything, everything worked out fine. But um, did, it, did they have a, a laundry list of complaints then? Or, or did they come like unsolicited? I, I don't see why they, they why, why do they show up? Because t- they, the thing is, tattoo inks are going to be regulated more so now than ever. They're going to. Uh, yep. So you were right in to say that the ink was the, the the regulations from overseas were coming here as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, right now, if we had uh, some uh, countries in Europe, they can't get colored pigment because of uh, some of the things that are in pigments that they don't allow. And uh, so we we got you know we're continuing reformulate or yeah reformulate man so but it just took the, the whole uh, you know I was I was almost seventy years old and then uh, <clears throat> I'm out of the parking lot one day and dealing with some other crap man seventy years old I'm thinking how much longer do I want to do this I'm not they're taking the fun out of it it's becoming uh, well, well you already lost your machine shop. It sounded like that was a, a cold day in hell for you almost. You know, so. they, these lawyers and uh, uh, an FDA attorney, shit, they're uh, very, very expensive. The whole thing just became, you know, where the, the thrills, they were taking the thrill out of the whole business and uh, had to make a decision, man. And uh, I had, uh, had a, a company that's, uh, was wanting to buy my business for two years prior. And I called him. I said, hey, man, if you want to come and talk to me, I'll talk to you. But I got a number. You know, if you want my business, that's, that's what it's going to be, this number. There's a company, uh, a pretty reputable company inside of tattooing currently. Yeah, Am I wrong? Now, I mean, they've. No, we own now uh, Bishop. Bishop Machines is part of it. Tat Soul is part of it. Uh, Kingpins. We're all under one roof. It's like a, a necessity, I'm guessing, because the next is legislative actions, too. And now, now is it that you can you see that ink is going to need lobbying? It's going to be what? It, it's going to have or, or need lobbying inside of Congress oh, and Senate. We've been lobbying for, uh, for before I've sold it. And it'll be three years in December. We've been lobbying for. Oh man, for four years. It's just it's just uh political, more political crap, man. You know, we've been using these pigments for you know, tattooing pigments for numerous, numerous years. And and um, they just want to control it. They they want their cut. They want, you know, the, you know, there's no getting around it. It's uh, it's the government. Oh, do you remember a, a character a tattoo artist named Joe Satterwhite? Who? Joe Satterwhite. Joe, where was he from? He was from from Flint. He um he he tattooed on the down in Georgia at one time, 
And I believe he worked with Tattoo Charlie's too, possibly at some point. He, he flew around a bit. He was in the war uh, as an airplane pilot, right. or not pilot, but a mechanic. And his, his brother also, Dave, uh, they both rode bikes, but they were tattoo artists. He was a tattoo artist and, and he started a shop and I was working for him while um, the regulations were coming up. Right. And I, I, I was kind of, I thought that I saw the benefit to it. And he said, Kyle, even if there is a benefit to it, you kind of need to fight these things because the change that comes next is a red light or a beacon on top of your industry and what they start out charging you the first year will double by the next. And he wasn't wrong. And, and from then, I don't know how much I lament it. I guess I imagine that I hope there's some good to come from it. You know, the, if well, uh, you got, you got the, uh, our company is uh, better equipped for uh, to handle that kind of stuff. Um, that's that's the good that I hope that I you know and you know and then you, you start um, you know I had to go to Washington three or four times man and the, you know the, the senators that wanted these bills passed you would go there and talk to their staff and so you, you definitely want them to know that you're paying attention and, and you, you, you're not just gonna close your eyes and hope it goes away because that's not gonna happen. You know, so you gotta you gotta be willing to do what's. It's, it's a lot of money, man. You're paying these attorneys, you're paying the lobbyists, and, but it's what you have to do to keep moving forward, and um, and keep to, to take care of the industry. A lot of people in the industry don't have a clue what the, you know, not just Eternal, but all the other ink companies. They're all, you know, we're all we're all in the same boat. Right. You're affected by the same by the same water. We all want the same results, man. You know, so it's not one. It's not one company's going to get it, and the others aren't. You know, it, it, so it's. Have uh, they defined what um what they don't want in the inks? Then yeah, they so, tell you so you know now. Yeah, they, and, and it's a big. Uh, it's jumping through hoops. You can uh, you can uh, resolve what they don't want, and then uh, two weeks later. They find something else they don't want, so it's an endless, it's an endless game. And fortunately, in the United States, we're not, uh, uh, we don't have the same guidelines as they do in Europe. That doesn't mean we're not going to, you know. Right. Have you had a hard time shipping then to Europe? Well, some colors you can't ship to Europe right now. We're, we're uh, it's a process of getting everything recertified. You know, we have a we have a chemist. A part of our team, we pay a chemist. He's part of our team. He gets paid, you know. And um, this is kind of actually maybe the best time to not have to be so closely involved. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't just you know right now I'm leave for the winter. I, I'm gone for a month. Come back for a week. Gone for you know, and, and uh, it'd be hard to do that because uh, what's going on is a daily. You know, you might fight. have to, you know right. stop what you're doing and go back to the drawing board and. When you think you got a pigment that's going to pass, and then it comes back, and it's one little thing wrong, then you got to start over again. And it's it's not impossible to do. It's very time consuming, very expensive. You know, and the artists, you know, you have to raise your prices. You might bottle of ink you might have to go up fifty cents a bottle. Some artists could oh, fifty cents. I mean, yeah, fifty cents. You know, you only you make a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> 
playing about 50 cents. But yeah. Surprised, you know, some, and most, most, most of us get it, you know. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, we have to, if it's, especially if it's with so much research and development and what I saw or I can attest to, there was a, a building. I mean, we used to be able to go into Howell, just like I said, then, then you bought the place behind you. We could go there and we'd buy ink. It was easier because we didn't have to bother Stelios. Steli didn't have to give me mean shadow eyes. Like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> just go buy your ink and back. And then we could get out um, and then the factory or, or the, uh, the warehouse. Uh, yeah. And then that thing grew into a compound now and you can't yeah. even tour it. Yeah, then I did that clean room. That was a two-year project. To build that clean room was literally two-plus years to make it what it is. It's a bad, nicest clean room. I mean, uh, now before that, we're doing a video. How, I, I don't, how, I, did you have to outsource to another clean room or something? You had to, you had to bring had, the product we a, there. We had a clean room, just not, not a certified. We've got, we've got a certified, uh, inspected, uh, uh, airtight, airtight, man. I mean, it's, an, it's an expensive. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you numbers, but it, it's a very, very expensive to build a clean room. We're, we're, we're uh, what are we over here? We're over we're 4,000 square feet. See, I mean, you can build a clean room in, 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 a, in a room, 800 square foot room, but you're not going to be able to do what we do, you know, but that's what we're right. doing. It's, um, and you're not going to be able to do it on that scale. Actually, I, I would rather. If I would have thought about it, I would have invited you down. I mean, you could have stood there and you could have actually seen the clean. You still can, but you know, it's all they, cameras. You know, um, if you want to do it, uh, when we're done with this, we'll talk and we set up a date, and then you can see the whole thing. So it's pretty. Yeah, cool. I wouldn't mind that. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. I, I'll try and get it in before you. I, I know you're you're feeling the cold weather come. Yeah. There's no more bike riding. Is that what, what now? But now you have, I, I guess, I mean, that's where we're at now. And we've talked about where we were. So what's next? What's next for you? And what's next for tattoos? Do you see uh, everything that you've seen change has been pretty drastic from. Oh, man, it's so hard now, man, just because you got so much talent, man. You got, you know, back in the day, if I seen a t- another tattoo shop open a mile away, mm-hmm. Man, there's another shop over and by us now. I don't even care because the hell I'm gonna sell them supplies, you know. But right. There's just so much talent. I mean, the the the, the younger artists r- realize that they can make a really good living doing what they enjoy, you know. And there's just so much talent that was that was out there that uh, you know, graphic designs people that had this phenomenal, you know, abilities, that, right. The, the, a good artist is gifted to be able to draw the way some of these people, including yourself, man, you know, it's a, to be able to draw from your mind and put it on a sheet of paper or canvas or whatever. That's a gift. That's a gift from God, man, because uh, I can't, I, I can't do that. You know, I'm a, I'm a flash artist. I can't take, I can't take somebody's design and just, Put it on paper and put it on them. You know, if they, if they want a nice traditional tattoo, I can do it. But um, I see these kids nowadays. They are. Uh, it's. It makes it hard to even think about competing. I, I was on that Ink Master show, and yeah. now their talent level 
like, like I couldn't even go back. I couldn't even imagine going back when people ask me, because I'm like, do you see how good these kids are? <laughs> and how they prepare it, how they, they get their iPads and they transform this over this. And then next thing you know, the design's coming off the thermal cover, whatever, whatever you use, <laughs> thermal copter printer. And, yeah. and it's whole different. You're like, man, I, I, I don't even know how to do that. You know, I'm 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 past acetate. You know, I'm not going to do a thermal copier and all the other stuff and lay out a nice design. But man, there's just like you're saying, man, there's just so much talent out there. That they got the ability with the color that they use. I've seen tattoos people put down as a stencil, or I'll see it and it just looks normal. Yeah. And and then when I see what they did with it, uh, you know, my my mind's blown. You know. I know, man. Really, really talented kids. A lot of a lot of it be, because of the work that yourself and others like yourself have done in pioneering and, and getting the name and getting your name eternal out and getting the name of the Inco. You also got tattoos right. pumped out and you were showing us stuff that was done with your ink that was far beyond what the average tattoo was thought to be, you know, especially yeah. with the color portraits that started. A whole series of, of colors of them. Um, where do you see uh, yourself now? Now uh, you just putting around with a on, on your bike with your um, card in the in the spokes. I got no man. I got you know. I got all Harley's man. But uh, oh, you I, don't need a card. I, no, I don't need no baseball man. man <laughs> baseball. If I had the baseball cards I had back then, you know how much some baseball cards would be worth that I wrecked. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't have had to make the ink company, maybe. But yeah, I could have made a living off my baseball cards. But uh, either way, you get to drive into the sunset with, with right, right uh, putter putter. Yeah. No, so I mean, heading to Arizona, like Brian's there for the winter. I'm there for the winter. So we you know we do we do a lot of stuff together, man. Do a lot of riding. Uh, well, what what's that consist of stuff? Is it? I'm I'm curious how much like your childhood this has become. You know, if if your dream of riding around with with a baseball card in your spoke turns into a dream of freeless or carelessly riding around on your on your scooters, yeah. What what do you guys get off into doing? Just well, sunset riding. I, fortunately, we both like to ride, so we we got our. You know, we're out in the middle of, we're in a high desert, so there's only, you're limited to how, where you can go unless you're going to go on a two or three day, right? Like right now we're, we're going to go, we're going to leave, have a zoo, go over to Zion, the Zion National Park mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, Bryce Canyon. It's a 1200 mile ride. So we, we should be able to do that before it gets too cold. Uh, where we're at, we can ride all year, but once you get in the, in the uh, mountains a bit. The eastern part of Arizona. I mean, you get up by Flagstaff. I mean, you can hit some bad weather there. So, okay. where we're at, we're good for riding all year. Uh, go back east toward uh, Flagstaff. You, you know, you don't want to ride over here in the winter time because you don't know what it's going to do. But between you riding, never need these things. Uh, they're all air cooled, pretty much. Do you never in that hot desert? Do you need them to be liquid cooled ever? No, nah, man. Well, you can ride them all. You can ride them just the way they are, but. Then I like to fish, which Brian doesn't like to fish. So I, I, uh, I can have my boat in the water 20 minutes and spend a day out on the lake and enjoy that, you know. Oh, that Lake Havasu then? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous then. Uh, I imagine it's everything you dreamed it would be then as a child. Would you were fishing then too or not? 
Yeah, man, I'm from Georgia. I'm a country boy. Did you do you have family in Georgia still? Do you ever go back? I well, we just buried my oldest brother, so I was down here. Uh, we spread his ashes. I was down here a couple months ago. So uh, my other brother, I got, I got, I had three brothers. But one of my, so now one of my brother lives in Hawaii. My younger brother lives in Florida, right next to the Georgia border. So uh, yeah, I still live down there. Sunny area. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all this with me, brother. And, and uh, I, f- I feel like I should let you get off to your busy day. And I'm yeah, going to get off to my retirement enjoyment. You've been, able, you've been around Eternal long enough and worked for Eternal, which was great. So you kind of you kind of got to see certain things, you know, actually awesome. progress and, 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 you know, where we were and where we're at. I, I've been blessed uh, to be a part of it and to see it grow like that and then become a part of it. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And, and to have a relationship with you where I can say, Hey, make my podcast seem legit. <laughs> Give me about an hour of your time. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Hope it goes good, man. And tell candy, we said, Hey, and, uh, we'll talk to you later, man. All right. Take care, brother. Later. Thank you.